Janice Connolly, the Artistic Director of Women in Theatre, and I'm very, very pleased to welcome you to the Women in Theatre podcast. In this series, we present monologues from our Women and Work trilogy. Developed from conversations with women of different ages and backgrounds, these pieces we hope respect and celebrate individual human stories about women's working lives. You're about to hear Time to Shine, written by Rachel Mannering and performed by me, Janice Connolly. This piece was part of our 2019 production Primetime, which presented diverse stories of women of retirement age. And listen on afterwards to hear me talking with Rachel about the process of writing the monologue. We hope you enjoy. Maybe Nanny can get a cup of tea. Oh, go into the Shh. Oh, how'd you turn this thing off? Shh. One, two, buckles. Horrible toy. Although, to be fair, I think I bought the blinking thing. I thought she'd have got rid of it by now, at least taking the batteries out. When your mum first got pregnant, she told me she'd be only buying you wooden toys. No plastic tap, mum. Kids love it, don't you? A naughty nanny has put you loads of non-organic plastic tat, most of which has made its way back to this house. Anyway, that's my job to bend the rules. The odd biscuit here and there. How else do we get through the walk back home from Tiny Tots on a Monday? Because a carrot stick just will not cut the mustard, I'm afraid. Tiny Tots stay and play. Whatever happened to good old playgroups, eh? Everything's so Americanised and playdates, ugh. I'll give it to your mum now. She has done her research and picked her stay and play based on which one had the best snacks. I've taught her well. Plus the place is fit to burst in with fellow grannies and grandads looking for a few hours sanctuary in a bourbon bickie to dunk in that cup of coffee. So, it is back to small talk. Snatch conversations in between crafting and negotiating who gets the next go on that push-along toy. Trigger toys, my friend Joyce calls them. And there is always a blinking trigger toy. And the inevitable meltdown when little Tommy Watsy's-face refuses to share. Oh, now Joyce, she has got her hands full. When she retired, her kids started popping out grandchildren like there was no tomorrow and just assumed she'd be their unpaid childcare. She's got at least one grandkid a day. Just as one started school, boom, they had another. Looks utterly worn out. And her daughter-in-law even said to me, get this, she said, I don't think we'd have more kids. I don't think you could look after three. I mean, really, cheeky little madam. Oh, now, Betty, Betty, don't get me wrong, Petal. That is not to say I do not love having you here. I honestly think it's a privilege to be part of your lives. But it should be a gift and not a given. And some of your mum's generation, they just don't get it. 
That said, I'm really grateful that I'm able to give you my Mondays. Because I know a lot of people are not that lucky. But still. Oh, come on, little one. Please stay sleeping, that's it. Because Nanny needs to rest her bones. Look at all this post. Bills, bills, bills. I thought I'd got these made paperless. <laughs> Look at this. 90% of my emails are offers from Asda and John Lewis. Well, it's nice to feel loved, I suppose. Oh, right. Ah, oh, well, what's this? Oh, it's a questionnaire. Dear Wendy, you have been a volunteer with us for over a year and we'd be grateful if you could answer a few questions for an article we're writing about the important work of our volunteer community. It would appear on our website. Oh, an interview. Fame finally beckons, little one. Right then. What first drew you to volunteering for us? Well, if I'm honest, I never really intended to volunteer in my retirement. I might not tell him this bit because it doesn't sound very giving. But I imagine retirement to be wall-to-wall self-indulgence. Mini breaks, pottering in the garden, you know, that sort of thing. Or maybe we'd splash the cash, do a big road trip. Bonnie and Clyde, but without the bank robbing. <laughs> well, what was our thinking, eh? Because we'd need to rob a flipping bank. Yeah, Terry put me straight. For that kind of retirement, you need health and wealth, my darling. And between your piddling pension and my dodgy hips, we need to think about cruising around little, not the med. <laughs> oh, that is not the picture they sell you on the Saga holiday adverts, is it, my lovely? Now, my mum, your great granny, there was a woman who knew how to have a good retirement. She had a routine sort of dumped out at his allotment. I can't have him under my feet. Get up to King's Z, play bingo with me on Tiring, pick up some food for tea, and if it was a Saturday, she'd pop into church. Save going Sunday. <laughs> ah, great Catholic logic. She didn't have great big dreams for retirement. She had a fairly tough life. She'd worked hard. And now she was happy just to be, just to be, and not have to graft till her fingers ached. Well, I've not really answered the question, have I? Okay, well, I wanted to volunteer for... Well, actually, I started off volunteering for the local food bank. I'm not sure you could call that enjoyable. Necessary, maybe depressing, certainly. Thank God I don't have to choose between eating and heating my flat, or come to think of it, my flipping TV license. No. Well, I guess I volunteered because I found myself for the first time in my whole life sort of lacking purpose. Yeah, an empty diary on my kitchen table and nobody actually needed me. My Terry was happy just pottering about in his shed and, and no lovely grandchildren in need of a cuddle at that point. Yeah, I was free for the first time in my adult life and it was terrifying. I was suddenly all as sea, lost, completely rudderless. Now, I hope this changes when you lot grow up. But a woman of a certain age is invisible in today's society. Your opinion, your skills are not valued. You've done your bit, get back in the kitchen, sit down and knit something. And I wasn't at that food bank that long before Mum's health took a fairly rapid nosedive. And, and your sister was born.
I wasn't prepared for the constant crushing waves of guilt as I watched mum fade and unravel. Life was now split between caring for mum and my new grandchild. I was bookended. But why did I eventually start volunteering at a theatre? I think it was maybe mum getting ill. Yeah, I think it probably was that, actually. Because it makes you think about your own life. And I realised I was in the last third of my life and I'd still got so much I wanted to do. So I wrote a to-do list and right at the top was go to the theatre. Oh, I love it, my darling. Oh, I do. It's, It's like food for my soul. The energy in the audience when that plot twist reveals itself. The muffled noise of people collectively fighting back the sobs. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Do you know, I prioritise a theatre ticket over a haircut or a fancy new coat any day. And that's when I heard about the volunteers. I saw a group of them in the foyer and they was running this backstage tour and I just thought, yes. No! Shh! Aha! Oh, I've been waiting for this one. Should I wait till you wake up to open it? Yeah. Well, maybe a sneaky peeky. Oh, oh. Will you look at these? These are for you, my little alphabetty spaghetti. There is something oh so very special about your first ever pair of ballet shoes. I have to wait till my sixties for mine. First position, second position, third. The years I've sat on the sidelines just aching to join in. The hours spent watching your mum spinning and leaping about in a cold church hall. Happy memories of the octogenarian pianist banging out a tune on the old piano in a fur coat. Sewing ribbons into tiny ballet shoes, getting that bun in the right position, ten tons of hair lacquer. It was really, really important to me that we found the time and the money for the kids to all follow your dreams. My dad, he never saw the point. And then the other Christmas, we was all sat watching that programme about ballet with Dave Darcy Bustle, as she's known in our house. Oh, your sister, she's such a little comedian. Anyway, Dame Darcy Bustle and Angela Rippon. I mean, she's got great legs, that one. They was talking about ballet classes for the over 50s. You should try that. They've got classes just around the corner, says your mum. She nagged me every day until I signed up. Oh. I was nervous before that first lesson. Standing in the doorway, clutching my new ballet slippers. When the teacher, she races up behind me. You're in the right place, come on in, you won't regret it. She was not wrong. It's the bar work that's my favourite, because you can have a sneaky lean. Hands should rest on the bar, ladies, not grab on for dear life. It's the crossover cardies, the leotards. Only this time it's not a bunch of excited six-year-olds, it's a bunch of excited 60-year-olds. You can spot the ones who are lucky enough to have lessons as kids and then there's ones like me. Finally fulfilling a long-held dream to leap across that hall like a swan. 
I suspect I've got all the grace of a goose, but who cares, eh? My body may not be bendy, but Pally isn't just for the body. I mean, blimey, just trying to remember the routines. That is really flexing the old mind muscle. You've got to keep fit when you retire, you see. You need to run faster to stand still. Oh, we have such a giggle, you know, when we make mistakes. But when I slip on my pale pink ballet shoes, when I say slip, it's more of a dignified wrestle these days, but slip sounds a bit more fitting, don't it? When I slip them on and I hear that music, I get tingles down my spine. I'm truly free. My mind goes where my body can't. My mum, you know, she was a cleaner and she flipping loved her job. Never happier than when she was scrubbing away at some dirt. And she worked in a few places, offices, posh people's houses and finally a theatre. The one in town. This was before the big one opened. And I often went along with her. These were the days before health and safety and working regulations. And mostly I'd just be sat in the green room, which is like a funny little room under the theatre, which isn't actually green at all. Oh, it was dark. It was magical. It was full of cigarette smoke, cups of coffee, chatter, and I'd be doing my homework. But really, I was listening to the actors gossiping, soaking it up like a sponge. I was in absolute heaven, because I knew it was for me the moment I walked in. A home for dreamers, misfits. I just thought, well, why would anybody want to be anywhere else? And one evening, one of the understudies, she finally got a chance to stand in for the leading lady, who'd taken a suspicious tumble and sprained her ankle. Coincidence? Who can say? <laughs> Either way, the new leading lady said I could sit in the wings, you know, watch the show. I think she knew I was in awe of her. And I can remember it clearly. Standing in the wings, squashed silently up against a wall so I didn't get in anybody's way. Peeping out between the black curtains. I could feel the electric buzz of excitement as the audience took the seats and the silence. Oh, the anticipation was delicious. The bright light shining in my eyes, the heat... And the noise of the ropes pulling up pieces of set and the trundler wheels as furniture was moved around. I was one of them now, an insider. These were my people. And before she went on stage, that actress, she'd give me a nudge and pointed to the wall. And people had scrawled their names onto the painted brickwork. Look, she said, you know, in this very, very dramatic whisper. All the greats. Well, I didn't recognise any of the names. But I was impressed all the same. Maybe one day your name will be up there. You'd better believe it, lady. I thought, running my fingers over the names. But my dad was horrified. He had a right go at me mum. Why are you letting her get silly ideas in her head? She's not going back there. And that was the end of that. I had wanted to try for drama school, but Dad had said no. His word was final, and Mum, she didn't want to make a fuss. That's just how it was in our house. Poor Mum. 
You know, she didn't always recognise who I was towards the end. We actually got on much better when she thought I was someone else. How sad is that, eh? And during one of the last visits I had with her, she was brimming with pride as she told me all about her talented 12-year-old daughter, Wendy, who was born to be on the stage. She'll have her name up in lights, that girl. And I wanted to yell, Mom, why did you never tell me that? I didn't. Obviously, I didn't. I held her hand and I listened. I just listened. You have to take love where you find it, Betty. And sometimes that is a very complicated thing. Right, anyway, <clears throat> next question. What has been the most positive aspect of volunteering with us? Oh, it's friendship. You assume you will keep in touch with all your work pals. In truth, you drift. And in the other volunteers, I've found a group of women, and it is mostly women, who just love theatre, they love seeing it, they love talking about it, they love doing it. We have a little play reading group. It's absolutely magic. We get together, choose a play to read, and we've done Hamlet, Gamma Gurton's Needle, which is brilliant, and The Crucible. When Mum finally passed away, I, I wasn't in a good place. But those evenings spent with the group reading the prose of a great wordsmith. It helped close the void she'd left behind. Yeah, it was almost healing. I know a lot of people retire and they miss the status they had in their working life. But actually, when I started volunteering at the theatre, I finally felt like I had status. My working life was just a means to an end. I didn't love working in an office What stuck behind a desk. The day they gave me a backstage pass, it hung on a lanyard round my neck like a medal. I was so proud because I was working in a theatre, a small but valued cog in a big machine. Taking people on backstage tours, sharing my knowledge, my passion. And do you know what? My tours have had some really good reviews. Oh, they have. Because it's a performance, isn't it? It's storytelling. And I've always been a very good storyteller. When I'd read with your mum, she'd go, Do the voices! Do the voices! And I'd give it some welly, some real oomph. My characterisation of the Grand High Witch would have given Dame Judy a run for her money, I can tell you. The Witches of Inkland! Oh, no, no, silly nanny. Shh, shh, shh. Sorry, sorry. Shh. Back to sleep. Yeah. It's those moments. Sat in the green room, soaking up that buzz like all those years ago. That building is our playground. Okay then. Last question. Finally, has volunteering allowed you to access any other opportunities within the organisation? Well, when I joined the adult drama group, it was life-changing. Because I got a part in a play, me. 
Wendy Spencer. Nobody else is liable. Not Terry's wife, not Sally's mum, Denise's daughter. Just me. Acting in a play in an actual theatre with a cast of strangers who became friends. That was pure joy. Stood in the wings, my heart pounding with excitement and fear. I never expected my retirement to be spent finally treading the boards. When the performance was over and everybody was packing up to go home, I just stood alone on the stage and soaked up that strange stillness of a now empty theatre. Watching the light, catching the dust particles that swirl and dance in the air. Oh, even the dust looked magical that night. I just stood there, breathing it all in. And I thought about all the people who'd stood there before me. All the greats. And that night, on my way out of the wings, I grabbed a pen and added my name to the wall. I made it there after all, Mum. You've just heard Janice Connolly, me, performing Time to Shine. And listen on to my conversation with the writer, Rachel Mannering, where we talk together about the process of writing the monologue and the kind of things it got her to think about. And if you've enjoyed listening to this piece, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. I'm very, very pleased to say that um, we've got into the studio now Rachel Mannering, who um, actually wrote that piece, Time to Shine. So it's lovely. Thanks for coming, Rachel. So it's just a chance because I know that people are very interested in the writing process for the pieces of work. And obviously you wrote that. And just be good for people just to hear about how you approach the whole thing. It started off with research, didn't it? So It did. Well, because um, because women in theatre, research is is like the beginning and the core of everything that you guys make. So um, we started, I think we did three days of research initially, um, met a really wide variety of women who had really varied stories, um, which is it's one of my favourite bits, is meeting other people mm. and hearing, hearing their stories and hearing their life experiences. Um, and once we gathered a few of those... I sort of sat and went back through my notes. Um, what I tend to do is highlight where people have said really similar things, so similar expressions or similar emotions, because the feeling is then that this must be a common thread in in a lot of people's stories. Um, and then from that, it was just it's just a gut feeling. The stories that I thought spoke to me the most that I thought I might be able to create a really um, sort of meaningful and true story and I was particularly drawn to the stories that we got from the um, volunteers mm-hmm. at um, the Birmingham Rep, Rep wasn't it? Yeah. Um, really amazing group of women and their stories really interested me and it was their passion for theatre and what they were doing with their lives post work and how that was actually for a lot of them lot of the women giving them a real sense of um of sort of belonging and perhaps fulfilling dreams that they weren't able to during their work lives and their community that they were getting from from this new sort of volunteering and I don't that just set something off in my head and I thought these are stories that I that I'm interested in in following up 
Um, particularly, um, I was interested in the stories where women didn't necessarily feel like their work life had been completely fulfilling. Yeah. And now was their moment. Now they were, now it was their time to shine. Brilliant. <laughs> so you, so that's really interesting, the way of sort of saying, oh, this has been said a lot, and then looking at how that actually starts to chime in with you as the writer and what you were interested in doing. How many drafts did you write? Quite a lot, actually. <laughs> Quite a lot. Um, there was the initial draft that we did, um, but obviously because there were three of us and we were doing three stories, inevitably, because we were following similar sort of um, everybody was looking at similar stories mm. and similar um, experiences some of our stories crossed over slightly mm -hmm. so changes were made there so that so that there was some variation um, and then I think it was just tweaking tweaking little bits of it fine tuning it um, which is a, a really enjoyable process yeah. to do that and then obviously it's different again when you hear um, your actor read the script and then you have it in the room and you hear the words out loud and realise, oh, that doesn't quite work or that doesn't ring true. Ah, that's really interesting. So it was useful for you to be to be part of the rehearsal process? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that because it changes again. When you're writing, it's, um, it's quite an isolated experience. Mm -hmm. It's just all in your head. And even though I always read out loud everything that I write, it's a different experience again to hear somebody else read it back to you. Um, it's often just the rhythm isn't quite right, perhaps, yeah. or little tiny things that you just alter and tweak until it until it's just right. And I think it's a strange sort of moment where the character becomes real. Yeah. Like by the end of it, I really genuinely had a big place in my heart for Wendy. Yeah. She was a, a real person to me by the end. Um, yeah. Is this the first monologue or? that you've written or not it may not be it is it was my first monologue okay so what do you think you've learned as a writer about writing monologues almost to not think of it as a monologue ah that's um, because it's quite intimidating first of all I've never done that before I've always enjoyed um, the conversation between mm. between characters the way that can kind of bounce off and sometimes a monologue can feel quite alien because we tend not to talk like that um, so, for example, for mine, um, Wendy's talking to her granddaughter who's asleep and thinking of it in that bigger picture, who she having that conversation with helped to make it feel like it was a two-way process, even though we're actually only hearing Wendy's voice. Mm -hmm. um, and you're getting a little window into somebody's, into somebody's thought processes, yeah. which we all do, but not necessarily out loud. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So it was a kind of the first monologue that you wrote. So you mm. feel that you've you've learned stuff about that. Mm, a lot. Is there anything else that you feel as a result of this process working with women in theatre on this subject matter that has will stay with you? Yes, um, it was a real eye opener because I think perhaps like a lot of other women of my generation, we don't tend to think about our retirement. Or I certainly don't. Um, and speaking to the women, the main feeling I got was the quality of retirement you'll have will be health or wealth, mm. or health and wealth, I should say. Um, and as someone who works in the arts, I don't have a lot of wealth. 
And so I don't, I don't, I'm not very good at saving. I don't have a pension. Um, and um, my health isn't great because I have a, a chronic health condition. And it just made me really think perhaps a bit more about my future, which I've always just sort of gone like, la, la, la. Um, and yeah, it was very interesting hearing these the, the different experiences that, that women have in retirement based on those decisions they made perhaps earlier on. Earlier on, that's right. Um, yeah. Um, and already just the different choices that people are making um, in different generations. Obviously, each generation is making different choices based on what was offered to them at the time. Um, a lot of women I spoke to said they had much better access to childcare um, than perhaps um, my generation do because a lot of employers would would help with that and that's not really an option anymore um which is why a lot of us rely on our grandparents which was yeah i know from right from the beginning you were very keen on highlighting that actually it's just something i've been really aware of my parents generation and um my friends parents that so many are bookended looking after their elderly um, parents and their grandchildren um and i wondered if that was the retirement they had imagined it's not the retirement that their parents had for sure Mm. um and it's the sort of circumstances we find ourselves in that have created that that situation. Um, yeah. So it's interesting, the role of women in retirement reflects the state of society to a certain extent, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I, I had the pleasure of playing Wendy, and I just want to you say did. thank you for writing such a brilliant piece. Oh, <laughs> thank you so much for making it so beautiful. Oh. It was a real honour, a real honour working with you. Thank you. Thanks very much, Rachel. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you know someone who would benefit and enjoy listening, why not share it with them? Also, rating and reviewing the podcast will help us find more listeners. Time to Shine was written by Rachel Mannering and performed by Janice Connolly. It was directed by Joe Gleave and sound design was by Sam Frankie Fox. And the podcast was recorded at Brum Podcast Studios. The Women in Theatre podcast is funded by Arts Council England, the Sir Barry Jackson Trust, the Feeney Trust, the Cole Charitable Trust and The Space. It was originally part of the stage production produced in association with Birmingham Repertory Theatre. This is a free podcast from Women in Theatre. We're a charity. And if you'd like to support the work we do, you can make a donation by visiting our website, womenintheatre.co.uk forward slash supporters. <laughs>